Blog Talk Radio. Moms Talk. I'm Dave Baylock. I'm the information person for 1,000 Moms, building community support for LGBTQ youth in foster adoptive care. And we're back in 1962. And where were you in 62, Dr. Ray? I was in ninth grade, and it was housed in a junior high school because the post-World War II uh, baby boom just didn't have enough schools, and they were frantically building more. So we had 7th, 8th, and ninth grade, and that was a teacher's worst nightmare because the king of the hill, king, they called it the king of the hill syndrome, and the ninth graders were hell on earth. But if you put them in a ninth through 12th organizational structure or setting, uh, the king of the hill syndrome worked, and ninth graders just fell right into line. But when they were at wow. the top of the ladder, it was bad. Wow. Well, that... Uh, I, I'm speaking with Dr. Ray Working, the um, preeminent media mogul in the Albany Capital District area and the world for LGBTQ news and information. But Ray, you've been silenced by by the pandemic. You you you've been, yes, the RPI been... campus is totally sealed shut, and uh, as a result of that, uh, Homo Radio has been on hiatus. 
for, I believe this is our sixth week, so it is very surreal in my life, David. You know how this show kind of occupies all my time, but not now. Oh, yeah. Well, we need your uh, your insights here on uh, our little podcast, and uh, I wanted to just talk a little bit about uh, that our opening song, which was uh, uh, one of my favorites, uh, Shelley Fabre's. Uh, in the from the Donna Reed show, and she's in love with Johnny, and Johnny doesn't exist. I think <laughs> what I what, what I uh, found out uh, it's just sort of a fantasy, and uh, but she she thinks he's real, or or maybe he he is a real person, but he doesn't know her, or he's not. She's she's just dreaming. And uh, to the point where she won't have any other dates with any of the other boys. I mean, it sounds like Shelley was uh, in need of uh, therapy, right? Well, (laughs) interesting observation. There's a great backstory to that uh, song. I don't know if you're familiar with it because you researched so well. Shelley Febre, by everyone's account, had absolutely no musical talent. Paul Peterson who uh, appeared with her, of course, on the show, did extremely well on the charts. And uh, just recently with my dad's anniversary, my dad's passing, I put on um, my dad, which sold a lot of records, and he just kept turning them out. Well, the producers and directors decided that they were going to cash in on this. Why couldn't Shelley Febre sing? And they asked her, and she looked up in abject horror and said, I can't sing. So it took them. I don't. I don't have the exact number here, but it was between thirty and forty takes, and all kinds of uh, you know remixes to come up with what you hear in the song. Because as far as raw talent, she openly stated she had none. Did you know that? She, she was no, so upset no. that they wanted her to sing. Yeah. Well, they couldn't get was, a second. Well, this this song did very well in the charts. It went oh, it yeah. went uh, very high. I forget what number, um, but uh, they couldn't get a second hit out of her uh, <laughs> after this. They barely got and no wonder. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. Um, but what I've read is it's much much more popular uh, in its in its older its shelf life has been very good to it. Uh, it's a popular song. And it gets played wherever, um, you, you know, all these songs go to their uh, to their reward. And uh, it's a favorite of mine. I just sort of, uh, it makes me sentimental for 1962. Although 1962 was, was uh, we're, we're going to get to that, but 1962 was just... Uh, I mean, the world could have ended, literally, at, at the push of a button uh, in the uh, Cuban Missile Crisis. Uh, but we're, we're going to talk to talk about that. But I, I want to talk, Ray, just for a few minutes at the get-go um, about uh, this uh, article that uh, uh, we shared about how this coronavirus and the quarantine the the isolating in place can be really tough on on gay kids and um 
and I just think that it's, uh, you know, it's the lead uh, paragraph in the, in the story basically says that, uh, you know, we're good at isolation anyway, you know, because we, <laughs> we uh, that's what we do as as gay kids in order to protect ourselves and um and now um you know we usually or the kids um you know usually can get some distance they can interact with their friends they can uh, at least get out but now they may be trapped literally in a home with homophobic abusive parents and and uh, siblings um Ray, what do you what do you, and also for for those of us who somehow manage to get by things like that, uh it may remind us of those times. And I think that's that may be what I'm going through. Um what do you think of uh uh of that, Ray? What that that gay kids are are really you're on the front lines of this. Well, as I told you, I've done um, three suicide interventions uh, totally on the fly by phone, virtual suicide interventions, and I could have done many more. I agree wholeheartedly. I I feel this period of time resonates with me. Socialization with a gay male or female um, or the whole LGBTQ plus spectrum uh, we we develop coping mechanisms. I would live the life of the fugitive, as the whole world knows. Uh, you know, and if you think back to yourself, we're, we're very, very meticulous in exactly how we live our lives. We find ways to survive. We try to find ways to pump ourselves up. And when you throw something like lack of socialization against us and the fact that we're face-to-face with parents who, you know, we're trying to, in most cases, and certainly in our time, we're scooting around and, and avoiding, in a sense of revealing anything. Um, it's it's incredibly difficult, and it creates depression, anxiety, and all kinds of you know mental disorders that you could point out. And it's it's uh, our routine, in a sense, is completely shot to hell. And it's a lot of it has to do with being able to hide and and function. Uh, whether it's where your porn is or how you please yourself or some friend that you can share something with that now you you can't get near uh, or whether it's you're just so worried that your parents are going to be hanging over you like, you know, God knows what. Families are supposed to play games now. They have all these hokey suggestions about how to survive this. It doesn't interface well at all, David, with with the LGBTQ plus student. Um now, I've never asked you, but, you know, I've mentioned the fugitive, um, uh, you know, reference so many times. Did you have a pattern that you followed in your life, say, at, well, I was in 10th grade or 9th grade when, in 62, so I don't know, you'd have been in elementary, but fast forward to when you were in 9th grade. Did, did you have a pattern that you followed, a series of behaviors that let you survive and kept you away from your parents to the extent it was necessary? Um. Well, I was uh, the best boy in the little wor- the best little boy in the world. You know, I was uh, uh, the the one ritual I did have was uh, thank God we had a dog, and he was cute, <laughs> basset hound, and and uh, 
he loved to go to the park, and I would use any ex- excuse to take him there. <laughs> I mean, I, I, it was as much an outing for me as it was for him, and that that was part of my ritual, you know. Uh, and uh, I had an aunt on the third floor who was n- not the prying type at all, and just very fun and gregarious, and and uh, her door was always open, and and I used it. I and the dog. The dog went up with me, and and she fed him very well. And uh, when I was a kid, five, six, seven, eight, um, I spent as much time up there as possible because it was safe um, and, and, and nearby. And um, she was a, a wonderful uh, person and, and just very talkative, but not probing, not, not intrusive. And not that my parents were, but, you know, they're parents <laughs> and they, they they want to know, you know, what's going on. My aunt was uh, uh, more, you know, um, more of a, a, a free spirit, if you could say. And she she had been divorced, and she didn't want to talk about her. And I mean, I was just a kid, but she just found a way to uh, entertain, be funny, and um, and she was a talker, which I love, and she she um, she was wonderful. So between her and the dog, that got me through a lot of uh, uh, the real young stuff. Um, and and um, so that was, and and it's curious when when I I wrote about this in 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 a book that I put out, um, um, my brother who's gay and in California now um, he was kind of a little uh, taken by it a little resentful maybe said that he didn't have the opportunity to do that and I said well you're in the same house the door was open (laughs) you could have got up there with the dog wasn't like we were fighting over but um, I just think I was a little more clever to find a solution to something that was uh, that needed I needed to get out <laughs> you see we had a three family apartment and my aunt was on the a three family house my aunt was on the third floor and we were on the first floor so it was a, it was a quick escape and that was among my coping mechanisms but um, I, I also want to mention Ray how we seniors are are being affected by this and um you know there's been articles written that rightly say you know the the pandemic is is really hitting uh the African American community very badly as a matter of fact i think some absurd figure uh it, it check me if i if you think this is right ray but i I think they're saying 70% of the deaths are in the uh, African-American community. Um, And if I'm wrong, I apologize, but it is an overwhelmingly uh, 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 mixed or or, or, uh, wrong. Because, say, in the city of Chicago, the population is 30% African-American. But um, 
you know, uh, 60 to 70 percent are are uh, of the deaths are from the African American community, and and I think that also applies to the gay community um, because you know because of that stress, um, which I write about in my new book, which I'll mention later at the end of the show, but um, you know we pay a, a health price, and we've talked about that often on the show. Uh, gay men have uh, oh across the board higher rates of asthma, diabetes, heart disease, lung disease, addiction. Uh, these are the things that a thousand moms has been talking about since day one. These are stress-related um, uh, physical diseases, and they're only going to be exacerbated by um, isolation. And um, you know, I have diabetes, and it's it has become a very big challenge, more of a challenge to deal with in in under the conditions we're living with now. But I want to encourage folks to reach out if they can. Uh, the Trevor Project uh, not only has a hotline, which is 1-800-273-8255, 1-800-273-8255, but they also have safe online uh, resources such as Trevor Chat and um, online um, connections to uh, have a, a, a modicum of privacy, but uh, please reach out to the Trevor Project, and um, you can go online to, uh, let me just, it's thetrevorproject.org, thetrevorproject.org. So um, please um, take care of yourself. It, 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 you know, this is an unexpected consequence of of um, the unprecedented virus and the and the miserable botched um, response by our our federal government led by a witch doctor. And you know, we 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 uh, we're really uh, port each other. So, Ray, uh, in the interest of time, I want to move but to our next song. Let me throw one last yeah. thing that you were speaking to the older gentleman. I won't take but a second. Uh, this great work or article from Psych Psychology Today mentions that many of us went through the AIDS crisis. And I was glad to read that I'm not the only one who feels this this uh, response. It's, uh, they're referring to it as something along the lines of post-traumatic stress disorder because uh, the analogy between AIDS, HIV, and and the coronavirus is there for those of us who felt the horrors of seeing our friends die, bodies piled up, going to multiple funerals and wakes and uh, memorial services several times a week. Um, this whole thing brings that a lot of that back to me. Now, I know you're a little younger, but uh, has it has Oh, it I went the same through thing? that. Oh, Ray, I, I lived that in New York City in the early 80s. Wow. I mean, it is. It is, it is frightening and it's it is shocking, and it is post-traumatic stress uh, to even contemplate that. I mean, uh, just the idea of bodies stacking up and um, the the cruel insensitivity of of uh, 
you know, there are people who are angels working, uh, working hard, doing miracles, and then there are, then there are the the careless, uh, mindless, uh, led by the guy who's sitting in the White House. Um, so it, it is it is really shocking and uh, it, and kind of, um, you know, he was he was there at the AIDS crisis and. Um, uh, you know, as he, I have utmost respect for him, and he, he's honest, and he's, he's, he's a great scientist. But uh, just the fact that oh, here's his, here he is again. Uh, I mean, that's unfair, but it is, it is real. I, I mean, here's the same guy, and um, what have we learned? You know, it's, um, um, God bless Dr. Fauci. Um, not so much Dr. Burks, <laughs> not very much Dr. Burks, but I, I'm glad he's on the job. And and in in the one hand he's reassuring, but on the other hand, oh that image, you know, it just brings me right back to uh, New York City in 1982. Well, thanks for bringing that up, Ray. And um, um, I want to, in the in the interest of time, move to our next song. A great song, and we'll come back. This is our number two in the countdown on A Thousand Moms, Rock and Re- Dr. Ray's Rock and Retro Retrospective Reunion and Report. And um, it's uh, the great Ray Charles.
it was accomplished. And then really the big thing, Ray, I want to just spend a few minutes on the Cuban Missile Crisis. And I was all of uh, five years old, and that was uh, um, it just scared the, scared me to death. Uh, I, uh, I I just heard that things were bad, and uh, people weren't talking, but the the TV news was just ominous, and I didn't know exactly what was going on, but I envisioned the world was going to end, and and I think on the on the in, in on the day that that things had come to a head and there had to be a solution or else bombs nuclear bombs would be flying um I was in Yonkers and an eerie uh storm hit and um everything turned a uh, the sun turned a eerie shade of yellow not a not a it just didn't seem like a natural shade, and uh, it was uh, it was sort of portentous for me. What do you remember, Ray, as a Cuban Missile Crisis? Well, in the fall of that year, we were riding high watching television with the Beverly Hillbillies premiere, and you know, starting the first grade of high school, even if it wasn't junior high, and then all of a sudden, it was like the world fell in. My mother. Said I can remember saying I don't know if you'll have school tomorrow because I don't know if we'll be here, and you know I had older veteran teachers when I started my teaching career in 1970, 71, and I can remember one uh, particular industrial arts teacher told how up till when he was up in the hill country, um, the parents came to the school to get their kids because they wanted to spend their last hours with them, and it's it's hard now for people to imagine that uh, we were in that frame of mind and that we came that close. And it really did almost end. And I felt like I was, again, in a Twilight Zone episode because, they, you know, Rod Sterling was so much on the nuclear uh, destruction theme that uh, I I was scared to death. And it sounds like you were too. I mean, I, at 14, you, oh, yeah. you're old enough to really process things. And it, it was scared the hell out of me. Yeah, and uh, later we did learn really how close it came and um, came down to a phone call that Kennedy's unusual, well, uh, amazing uh, agility and and thought process. He outmaneuvered Khrushchev, uh, and uh, they said uh, Khrushchev blinked, and uh, the ships were... On their way to Cuba, the Russian ships were were on their way, and, and Kennedy um, uh, chose to uh, do a form of a blockade. But then uh, they reached a deal, and uh, it's too complicated to get into now. But um, Kennedy forced Khrushchev, and um, and and as Jackie Kennedy said later on to her children, well, your father just saved the world. And uh, she was right. And it was a, um, it was, it was uh, very, very, uh, (laughs) I remember just the feeling of relief when, when um, Walter Cronkite uh, basically announced that the crisis was over. But um, 
So, Ray, I want to uh, move on to You our... know what I remember? I remember, in a sense, yeah. you asked me, and I really didn't give you the good right answer. Um, the most correct answer was when uh, President Kennedy addressed the nation, and they pulled up those big maps and put them on the easel, and, uh, you know, you didn't have a whiteboard or a big fancy, uh, um, you know, uh, series of things to put them up on, but you could see them, and they were circled, and they were marked. The missiles were there. Was it 90 miles away from the, you know, from our coast? And my blood ran cold because that was tangible proof. It was palpable that they were, the Russians could could reach us in that amount of time. And uh, so that address to the nation was what started the nightmare for me because then I knew it was real. And uh, just, just to throw it in because that's a memory I'll, I'll never forget. I'll take it to my grave. Well, um, let's uh, turn to a lighter song to uh, and sort of close out our review of 62. And uh, this is a, I have a lot of personal memories of this place and of this song and let's play it and talk about it on the other side. This is Freddie Boom Boom Cannon in Palisades Park. Sure did. <laughs> you sure did. Okay. So, you know, <laughs> this is a place, I mean, literally, uh, maybe a, a hundred or, well, not long, not far south of the George Washington Bridge on the, on the, on the Jersey side, this uh, amazing amusement park, a little, a little dumpy, <laughs> but they, they had the the world's <laughs> the world's largest saltwater pool come, come you know which they had these jingles and 
on on the radio all the time with on WABC uh uh come dance in the waves in the saltwater pool blah 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 uh, they 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 made a they had a wave machine with salt water and and uh I don't think it was very hygienic actually <laughs> but it was a fun a fun fun place and I remember driving down the West Side Highway where my parents would uh, uh, have to go down to the city, and they had a big neon sign. I don't know if you remember that, Ray. Uh, uh, a do big do. neon sign that. I'm sorry. I do. I do. Yeah, I remember that sign. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> and it's clearly easy to read from the New York side um, across the Hudson. And, um, it, well, that was its intended audience, and nobody else really could see it. But uh, it was um, just a fun place. Uh, uh, maybe the the New Jersey Coney Island. You know, they had the roller coaster, the shoop-de-shoop, and the, uh, all of those rides that were mentioned in the song. And it was uh, it was just a fun a fun place to be. And uh, Ray, do you have any particular memories of? Uh... I, I do. It was between eighth and ninth grade. I was absolutely in love with a twin named Johnny, and uh, we were yeah, we were intimate. And uh, as kids that age are, and that line stopped at the top of a Ferris wheel. The only ride I loved in the amusement park was the the Ferris wheel, and that and the associative memory of being there, and we would rock the the uh, cart back and forth and it was just it was better than anything I'll never forget it it was right in the dead center of summer August 1st of 1962 and it was sort of like my loss of innocence and uh, boy anybody says you don't know you're gay at that age they don't understand uh, anything about the psychology of being a homosexual yeah and and it's um I, I was really sad when it uh, uh, it closed in 1971. As a matter of fact, my grammar school had its um, uh, uh, graduation party there at, at Palisades Park, June of 1971. And I think we already knew that it was closing, and uh, everyone was sad. It, uh, the owner had, had uh, sold it off to a real estate developer, who later put up Winston Towers, a, a, a sad replacement, but I guess much more profitable than the, the shoop-de-shoop and the and the the, the, the rolling saltwater pool. But uh, it was very sad when it closed, and uh, I still, when I'm down there, I I, I kind of longingly uh, take a look over to see where it was and it was still there are reunions cousin brucey who is on sirius radio uh um and still going at 80 something uh he has yearly reunions uh they hold for people in memory of uh, palisade park and all the good times and um it really was a uh <laughs> how can i say i don't know if there's a rich man's amusement park but Palisades Park was uh, certainly uh, the middle-class reunion uh, uh, amusement park, and, and 
just a easy place to get to, fun place to spend a Saturday night. And when you were a kid, you know, it just was, uh, you know, and for us, it was much easier to get to the than uh, Asbury Park. Um, but Ray, um, I, I, I want to conclude in this, we have three minutes. I want to just conclude by um, announcing to folks that we have, uh, I've finished the book that I've been working on really all my life, I think. Uh, it's called Gay Pride, Gay Prejudice, um, How Brain Science is Providing um, uh, Hope and, uh, and um, uh, oh my God, I forgot my own title. How Brain Sciences is Providing Hope and Optimism in the Struggle Against uh, Homophobia. And it's um, it's available now on Amazon. I really invite people to go take a look at it. Um, we look at the how did we get here? What are these stigmas? And why are they so awful? And I spend a lot of time early in the book talking about the Bible and how that horrible stigma came to be and why it's maintained to this day and how it led to reparative therapy which you know, Ray, is, is rearing its ugly head and, and back with a vengeance if it ever went anywhere. And you just have to look at the horrible religious-based uh, interviews uh, or videos on YouTube to see how wide, um, we, how wide the, the stigma is and um, just the, the silence of... Uh, people who should know better is, is deafening. And we look around the world and, and, you know, we think we have it bad here. Try going to Uganda or try going to uh, Putin's Russia. Uh, it's, it's, it's horrible. Um, but, you know, then the, 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 the large, the bulk of the book is, is what I call the, uh, the science of gay, which really isn't. You know, that's always been a taboo word, you know, we don't want to know cause because then people will try and fix it. Well, you can't fix it. It's so, human sexuality is so complicated, so nuanced, um, you couldn't possibly fix any part of it um, without coming out with a, a disaster. And, and, and scientists are now providing evidence about how sexuality develops in the womb and then uh, at puberty, but it's 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 all beyond our, anyone's control, and it's it's a natural part of who we are as human beings. And the sooner we learn this, um, the 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 better world we'll have, and and the less suffering the LGBTQI community will have. And um, and then I, I, I just sort of talk about health issues, horrible uh, load that we carry. Um, you know, it affects our health. It affects our mental health. Uh, it affects addiction. Uh, it affects, you know, how, how we are going to live in, in retirement. What are the issues we've never had to face before? And um, so I hope people can... Um, uh, take a look. Uh, you can uh, get a Kindle copy for just 
uh, $1.99, and the book itself is only $5, just as introductory prices, because I really, really want to get the book out there, and um, if anybody wants to uh, ask for a review copy, I have a few I can send. You can contact me at dbaylog99 at gmail.com, dbaylog99 at gmail.com, and ask for a review copy or a Kindle copy. So Ray, we've uh, we've reached the uh, the natural conclusion.